I'd like to call this um, December 19th, 2013 meeting of the Chapel Hill Carver City School Board of Education uh, to order. Uh, we may or may not be filming right away. It's a major component just blew out. Uh, that's all right, Donna. We'll be taking minutes. The board members uh, like a motion to approve the agenda. Move approval of the uh, agenda. Second. All in favor say aye. 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 That's a point five zero. Uh, James and Shell had family matters that they needed to attend to tonight, so we're sorry to miss them. And that brings us um, to announcements. I'd like to make two announcements first, and then I'll turn to Dr. Frisella. Um, First off, we want to recognize and express our appreciation and thanks to Butch um, Kasai from the Chapel Hill Parks and Rec Department. He is retiring. I think his last day is the 20th, tomorrow, and he has been a really good partner with the schools, with the, with the pools, with the fields, the Lincoln Gym, Rashkis Gym, um, supporting our uh, students and our athletes. Um, and so we wish him all the best with his retirement. Second announcement, uh, it's always always appropriate for us to express our, our thanks and our appreciation to all our teachers and staff and faculty that can center in our schools. Um, it's not really the completion of a first semester yet, but before the winter break, and to say thank you for all of their dedicated um, hard work for our children. Um, Dr. Frisella. Yes, I have a, um, just a couple of announcements, and I know we have a number of uh, individuals that have come here to speak. If not, we have a very large crowd who just wants to listen. Um, but a lot of it, I think, um, is regarding our media problem with the overcrowding at Glenwood. And there have been a number of emails and correspondence. I just wanted to make sure everyone had accurate information, specifically in some areas, especially schools that have walk zones, um, that this board has always been committed to um, respecting walk zones. So. Um, there has been some conversation about that, so schools with walk zones usually are not, nothing happens to those walk zones, you know, they're not in the conversation, usually for other kinds of purposes, whether it's a, um, you know, magnet school, etc. So, um, we do, um, the board has always been committed to those, to those walk zones in their conversations in the past. It's also important to know that uh, people are quoting numbers that sometimes are two years old. Um, that numbers do change depending on enrollments, depending on numbers of people that are involved in the program. So as we move forward and with our recommendations that the administration will bring forward, that obviously we'll have up-to-date up numbers because depending on the size of the program and the enrollments, that n numbers can change. So that's, that's important to know. Um, and that when we have, whether it's a public forum or when we have uh, public comment, a lot of things are said, a lot of suggestions come out, but that's all they are at that point in time. Um, that there has not been any recommendation um, and there hasn't been a decision made by the board. Um, obviously, public input is, is, is always welcomed, um, but during the process, sometimes things are said by one person or something else is said by another person. It doesn't mean that that's going, going, to, going to happen. Um, and finally, that um, regarding the, the, rea the reaction because of the overcrowding at Glenwood, uh, the conversation has gone into the whole world language, dual language um, conversation. Um, that as of this point, the only thing that the board has um, committed to, and they, in 
and this was last year during the redistricting that the board was committed to uh, uh, preserving our world language and dual language programs um, and the idea that in order to make some of these programs work better, specifically the Mandarin program, that we had to have a long-range plan for, for that particular program, uh, similar in the, in the same vein that we did with the Spanish program and what that will look like, um, but that they, they did renew their commitment to um, that particular program. And even last year, through the budget process, we expanded by one grade level a year ahead of where we were supposed to, um, which I think was a sign of support on the part of the board. Um, that being said, that that's where we are. And you all know that we're on a very, very difficult budget cycle. Um, so we always review all programs. Um, and not, we're not going to be citing any one particular program, but every single program will have will come under review. We do a complete program review of every program that we have um, and, and look at what the associated costs are with um, whether it's extracurricular, whether it's um, thing, uh, it could be special programs that we run or whatever that might be that we spend money on um, and then we have discussions about what we can and can't do. We've been very fortunate that we've been able to preserve all of our programs um, in some manner, shape or form. Um, in some very difficult budget cycles, um, but it's important to note that, that we are in one of the most difficult, I think, budget situations that we have been in a, in a very, very long time. Um, with, and finally, with um, the administration's recommendation, it is, it is our intent uh, to address the issue. The issue is anticipated overcrowding at Glenwood, and it's not our intent to try to create a major disruption uh, to the entire school district. So just as you prepare for your comments tonight, it's important, I thought, to, to make sure people were aware of at least what I think you was going on. I also want to say that um, we're planning to hold the January 16th meeting at East Chapel Hill High School in the auditorium there. Uh, so you'll know, so we'll have more, more space. Uh, we were at Smith in November, but we'll be at East. Okay. Other board members have announcements? We next have our approval of the personal agenda addendum. So moved. Second. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Those are approved by zero. We have minutes from November 7th. Move approval of the minutes from uh, November 7th, 2013. Second. All in favor say aye. Aye. Those are approved uh, 5-0 as well. That brings us to the opportunity for public comments. Um, most of you have been here before, uh, so you know what the, the ground rules are. You will have three minutes uh, to talk. Mia will hold up the yellow folder when there's only one moment remaining, uh, one minute remaining. <laughs> and then when she holds up the red folder, if you will please uh, complete your sentence and your thought there. Uh, we ask that there be no uh, placards and that you not uh, mention particular students or teachers by name. And we will start off with, is anyone here representing officially their SIT? All right. Um, is there anyone here uh, representing their teacher organization? Mr. Hennessy's here, okay. Good evening. Uh, Grinch tie. 
Yes. <laughs> um, I'm here this evening to uh, to uh, speak briefly to uh, the later conversations you'll have concerning the 25%. Um, uh, for those of you who are may be unfamiliar with it, uh, the state laws, the state has passed a law that basically says that each district has to choose 25% of their teachers who will be up for a four-year contract. Um, you all know that there are so many inherent things wrong with this law. It's poorly written. It's built on the premise that only 25% of our teachers would deserve a contract when we know that in this district, 94% of our teachers are at proficient standings above. Um, it's an insult to us as teachers. A couple of weeks ago, I came in and I passed your resolution. Hopefully you had a chance to take a look at it. And in lieu of that resolution, we also will have a plan presented by Dr. Ras by Rassi Atkinson. And uh, we just wanted to say from the teacher organizations that we fully support the plan that they come up with. Um, it basically gears itself to more of the professional learning communities that we've all been, been, been um, in the experience of, of realizing that they're positive for us. It eliminates the challenge um, and negative competition that would inherently take place. Um, so if we can't go with the resolution, we want you to know we fully support accepting the proposal they've come up with. Thank you so much. Thank you. Is anyone here on behalf of the high school uh, student prep groups? Okay. All right, then I have a few people signed up for citizen comments, and of course everyone will have an opportunity to speak. Let's start with Joe Kennedy followed by Julie Jennings. Thank you. Um, I'm a parent of three children in the, dual, in the Chinese dual language immersion program, including two children who were in the very, very first class. I'm not even going to speak about the extraordinary merits of the program. I feel like we've sort of been there and done that. Um, you know, two years ago, you undertook a very, very careful sort of deliberative process and reaffirmed your commitment to it. Um, you know, we've all got our red T-shirts. We <laughs> hopefully won't end up having to wear them again. I, I do want to speak to one point, which is I'm aware that some parents have recently questioned the cost per pupil of the program, and that's obviously a, an important consideration, although things can be costed all sorts of different ways. I just want to make a, a very obvious point, which is that part of what makes Chapel Hill Carborough School special is that the variety of special programs we have for special interests, abilities, and needs of students. Now, by their very nature, those programs usually only serve a minority of students. But I guess that a vast majority of our students overall take advantage of one of those programs. I mean, ultimately, public education is not, and you know this better than any of us, it's not like eating in a restaurant where you can just order the things, you can just pay for the things that your family's planning on eating. I mean, it doesn't work that way. Um, and, and this board has done I think a terrific job in some very, very lean years of resisting the sort of dog-eat-dog, program-eat-program mentality where you sort of treat public education as if it was a menu where you could just pick things that were good for your kids. And as our economy starts to get a little bit better, I just wanted to encourage you not to change course and specifically to sort of reaffirm 
publicly your, your commitment to our program. I understand that everything always has to be up for review, but having been with this program from the beginning, there is a real cost to signals about going back and forth. I mean, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. When parents worry the program's not to continue, that contributes to attrition, which pushes down this, the, the, the pupil cost ratio. So thank you for your support in the past. And to the degree you can continue to affirm that support in the present, it'll make the numbers and the program better. Thank you. I'm here to thank you, the school board, um, for expanding the dual language opportunities in our community. Um, because of your dedication to the dual language education, 48 new kindergartners started Mandarin at Glenwood, 48 new kindergartners started Spanish at Carborough, and 144 new kindergartners started Spanish at Frank Porter Graham. I'm sure if the district did another cost analysis of the dual language programs, we'd find that the cost per pupil have drastically been reduced by spreading the cost over a much larger group of dual language students. My youngest child is the only one of my three children to get into a dual language program, and he did so because of this expansion this year. I'm so excited that my son has been giving this amazing opportunity to learn the language that one in five people in this world speak. I know from my own business, retail clothing, that a large percentage of the clothing that we wear reads made in China. Take a moment and look in the label of your shirt or your sweater. Um, and see what, see what it says. And this is a reality that we cannot continue to ignore. I just want to thank the school board for your continued support of this program. Thank you. You can pronounce your name properly for us. Yeah, my name is uh, Chun Fu. Yeah, you, you said it correctly. <laughs> uh, so I'm a, a new parent uh, for the Mandarin dual language program. And um, I'm also a Mandarin native speaker. So for me, I think I really appreciate uh, the board supported the program and expanded the program. So the chance of getting into this program um, is promoted for us. And so um, while we are very, you know, in high spirit of, you know, looking having a very positive uh, perspective of this long-term uh, plan for the program. And all of a sudden, you know, we got hit by the overcrowding and, and then everybody is targeting you know, our program as the target or the cause of the overcrowding. So as a new parent, first of all, it's very overwhelming. And second, um, you know, it's, I, I, it's not really a fault of the program and it's not a fault of the parents. So it's very, um, it's very you know, um, frustrating for the parents too, to, you know, especially the new parents while you're so uh, hopeful of this program. And then also in the meantime, you know, all those other parents of our fellow you know, parents of other schools are targeting us to be the cause. And so we wanted to just make it clear that you know, this program is not the cause of the overcrowding. And, and it's really hurtful to, you know, for other people to use this as a ground to try to eliminate this program. And then I also wanted to say that I don't know why this, you know, all of a sudden, I'm sure that it's the memories are still fresh in everybody's mind. You know, last year there is this, you know, discussion and numerous research and analysis about, you know, justifying this program. And also the board has supported the program and uh, voted to expand the program to keep the cost down and to make it more sustainable. So, and, and so I don't know why then all of a sudden then everybody's coming Again, it's just within such, short, such a short period of time to you know try to come up with all those you know um, justification of you know 
why we need to reconsider or do any analysis all over again. This is really a waste of everybody's time and effort to you know, try to come up on this. And, and then I think another, my last point is that uh, there is an impression that this program is a, you know, it's a so-called elite program. But it's not because it's a you know district program. It's open to everybody who lives in the Cabral and Chapel Hill school district, and and so everybody is you know um, free. Feel free to apply, and as long as they can go through the lottery. So this is actually a very equal. You know, it's open to everyone, and every program serves its purpose, and and the, every program that's voted for by the board serves a purpose. So it's. You can't, uh, some, you know, you can't just say this only serves a percentage of the people, so it's called an elite program. And also, I don't know why you know, Mandarin dual language program is cited as an elite program, and I feel very um, surprised why you know, the other program, the other Spanish dual language program is not, because a lot of the students in this program Sorry, That's I forgot okay. to give you the, <laughs> the other side. Yeah, so I just don't know, um, I don't understand why there's a difference. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Casey's next, followed by Art Eccleston. Anyway, I just want to say hi, everyone. You've seen me on email, and I want to say thank you for all that you do for all the kids in our district and all the different constituencies. And I want to thank you for your ongoing commitment to the Mandarin Dual Language Program and to fixing the ongoing issue of overcrowding at Glenwood. Um, Dr. Purcell, I'd like to thank you for your comments clarifying some of the um, inaccuracies that have been swirling out in the community distracting from a lot of good conversations and making them negative conversations and I do hope that there's a mechanism to make some of those statements public. Um, oh, especially since our taping isn't working. The taping's not working and I don't know that if we have any media here and this is a small room I was hoping that more people might be able to be here so go forth and spread the word. Um, thank you. Happy holidays. Hello, my name is Art Eccleston, and I wasn't really planning to say uh, to speak to you tonight, but I, I just wanted to say I'm a new parent as well of a child in the kindergarten dual language program at Glenwood, and um, I just want to say what a jewel it is among the many jewels in the Chapel Hill Carborough School District. My wife and I moved here deliberately from out of the out of the uh, school district to be a part of this school system. And when we learned that we had an opportunity to get one of our daughters into the dual language program, we just jumped at the chance and we were so happy to get that. So I wanted to thank you for that opportunity and just, again, to support the program and to just, I am so thankful to be a part of it and my daughter is also. Thank you. Thank you. should know your name by now. <laughs> Good evening. Um, you said it correctly. Um, I'm uh, currently a parent of a sixth grader at Smith Middle School. Uh, uh, he was, my son was in the uh, Mandarin dual language program at uh, Glenwood a year ago. And that group uh, who went to Smith, uh, they're trying to keep their Chinese. So we set up an after school program at school this um, um, group called Asian uh, American School of Asian Studies. Um, so they go there twice a week at our own cost. Uh, so our per student cost per family skyrocketed. And part of that, um, due, due to part of that, um, we lost some kids 
in, in the process and also some will join the way to the sports activities. So I'm here to try to work out a solution with you um, for a better future of the real school students. Um, I learned that the school board and district are looking to set up a pilot program uh, using distance learning at the middle school and the high school levels for some courses uh, to students. Um, so students can be pulled to share a teacher uh, in different schools within the same district. And I'm here to request you to consider starting such pilot program at Smith Middle School for, for courses like Chinese language so they can share the teacher uh, share the teacher with those students at uh, Phillips Middle School. And of course, equipment can be used for other courses for other students as well. Uh, the same equipment in the same room can be used seven times a day. Um, also, to keep the continuity from middle school to high school, distance learning programs in high school should be considered along with the middle school programs so that students graduating from middle school can keep their selections in high school. Uh, not everyone is enthusiastic about the distance learning. They think the effectivity may not be uh, that high, but uh, to us, we are willing to try. It's better than nothing. Uh, I'll take the opportunity tonight to support the idea of magnet school for Chinese dual language as I supported the magnet school for Spanish dual language. Ideally, such schools should be located in a geographically central location in Chapel Cabro. And sometimes, actually, from school board, <coughs> Maybe controversial. That's why we need your leadership and the vision. And I trust you can make bold and good decisions. Thank you. I wish you have a Merry Christmas and a great New Year of the horse. Now is awfully signed up, but if there's anybody else who would like to speak, just um, come forward and just take turns. My daughter would like to speak. I'll just introduce her. Thank you. Welcome. Maggie is a native English speaker. She was adopted when she was 14 months old. And she's here because she wanted the board to hear from a student. And um, also because we got the petition. And I've addressed the inaccuracies with the people who wrote the petition, so I won't bore you with that. But I'll let her tell you how she feels. Thank you, Maggie. So I'll, I'm going to be translating between Chinese okay. and English. <laughs> um, so I've been in the Mandarin program for seven years, and this is going to be my eighth. Uh, like, why would you want to take away the Chinese dual language program? So, I, I, like my mom said, I, I was adopted from China, and this program is like one of the only ways that I can get to know more about my culture. So educationally wise, what would be the point of taking away because Chinese is one of the most popular, most spoken languages in, in the world. Well, I was 
我学习，你们是一个幸福的家庭在一起。So I learn from my friends, and my friends learn from me, and we're like all one big family in this program. Uh, do you have any questions? <laughs> we, we don't usually take questions, and I will respond to the audience. But thank you, Maggie. I sent this question before, and I just would like to ask uh, Mr. Curitan or others from Operation New Life. So I didn't uh, hadn't heard about your program previously, um, so I did what uh, I exercised my 21st century skill and plugged your name into the search engine and, and came up. And um, I understand that you operate two preschools that are church-based preschools, and um, that was all I could really find about your program. And I guess my question or, um, is, is um, how will parents of many different faith traditions um, sort of have confidence that what, what the public face of your organization is, is, is what I can tell is church related and, and, and how will they be encouraged to be able to um, have confidence that the, the program that you're running in conjunction with us is one that's open to everyone and, and that it's not going to be targeted towards any type of uh, religious instruction. Um, yeah, and I can see how that could be, you know, screwed. We actually, the, the daycares are not uh, church-based. We lease church space. One is at Binkley. And the reason that we use Binkley is because a lot of our population is out of the South Estes. Uh, it's 99% voucher-based. It's a four-star center. So, uh, Binkley is a good place, and we're kind of like partners. Uh, the other center is at United, uh, uh, Amity United Methodist Church, right beside the YMCA, and it was available space. And we used that center really to subsidize uh, the Amity Center, which is mostly uh, voucher, um, so it's not full pay students. Um, and so there's no religious affiliation with neither one of them. They just happen to be in the church. So, so I guess I'm confused then because on the on your website it says that there is uh, spiritual development of children. I think that was the term. And there's a Bible verse on the application for the preschoolers. Right. And the, the website is not updated. The website is uh, really a, a 
stakeholder for Operation New Life, which is the non-denominator, I mean the 501c3, and that's the organization that will be um, uh, having the family resource centers where we'll be operating after school program. And uh, so it's not updated, we can update that. Um, and that was mostly for summer camps. So Operation New Life uh, provided summer camps for parents because uh, they didn't have a place, affordable place to send their children. And though that was just an offering of what would be going on. But, but you can see how I a parent would do the same thing I would do, and they, they may or may not feel comfortable with that. So I would encourage you to make your public face look like it was just now the internet. <laughs> We're new to this. I mean, this is a new endeavor for us. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been working with the school that district yeah. professionally and as a co-partner for 18 years yeah. and so there never has been a conflict of interest it's just that that's a placeholder yeah uh, and we can update our website so there wouldn't be any confusion because I can see how that could, that could be and it's just to, just to you know ensure that everyone feels comfortable with, right. with that opportunity yes sir make that happen the board members we appreciate I really appreciate that your group was able to step forward because um, we've had such good success with the after school programs with, with the students across the years and between the school, two schools, um, making sure that kids you know, do well and get promoted. I had one comment. Um, I think that the goal of wanting to graduate high school, uh, and this is, an, I, I'm going to vote to approve this is perhaps low expectations and um, across the years uh, towards the center of the state we've really had to shift to um, and chambers of commerce have worked with this with school districts on kids need at least two years of community college you know they need to get that associate's degree and because we have middle college program for free we can get kids one year of community college for free and i'm not sure that you were even thinking of that of course when you're doing the the um the proposal, but we should, the goal, to me the goal should be at least two years of college, and yeah. especially we can get them one year for free. I'm, I'm with you 100%. <laughs> I'm the proud papa of a Chapel Hill School District, Chapel Hill Carver School District graduate, yep. who is, went to Durham Tech, uh, she completed the program, she's in a clinical trials program, and working uh, with a clinical trial pharmaceutical company in uh, North Raleigh. So yeah, we yeah. and she yeah. was in Chapel Hill High when the Middle College kind of started, uh -huh. and uh, I was a proponent. She had a three point a three uh, three point five GPA at Chapel Hill High, played soccer and all that yep. jazz. But um, we didn't feel as parents that she was just mature enough to go, and we thought that getting a skill set on the cheap would be a whole lot better than sending her to UNCG somewhere and you know not being mature enough to, to go through and it happened to be a good thing. So no, I'm with you. Well, I didn't give no thought you know to that, but you know that's what that's what I'm all about. Right. You know, that's what the summer camps is about, giving kids, you know, the the same opportunity as it peers and uh, the uh, I was working with Ray when we put in the internet Connections and yep. all the family resource centers. So yeah, we 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 include that. Great. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
Mia. So um, I think you may I may have been at the very first SIT that I was liaison to when I when I was first elected at McDougal Elementary, right? Exactly. That's right. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I think is great is that that you've been affiliated in various ways with the district and have a real sense of um, what we're about. And one of the things with these programs that I think in the past sometimes has been a challenge is that we really do want to see you know evaluations and so. You know, folks set out some good stuff, but but since I got you here, when you're right there at the beginning, we really do want to see those. And um, and I know you're starting in the middle of the year, but to the extent that or not the middle, but in, into the year, to the extent that um, you can you know get information on whether you have baseline or any of that kind of stuff. But main line, main thing is we we are serious about that, and we want to see um, that. And be, and mostly among other things, so we can celebrate your successes when, when you have them, so we'll know. Uh, I'm with you. you know, it's, it's, I just happenstance how we, I stumbled into being able to be a part of this because when I first came to town, we partnered. I started the nonprofit partnering with the Family Resource Centers. And Mike Mathers, Chapel Hill Train Outreach, you know, when they gave up the program, and Karen here has been working with the program for over 20 years, and we started working together. And then when it fell into our court, uh, I said the same thing. You know, one, there needs to be a spotlight, like what's happening at South Estes. And, you know, I was at Dobbins Hills today, which is not part of this mix, but, you know, to see the kids there. When the centers was down, the kids was walking outside, and every now and then they'd come in the door because we were meeting there and we were saying there's no after school. Uh, Trinity Court, Pritchard Park really troubled areas to have a place for them to go. Uh, but you're right, the, the data and making sure, not only that the children, we, we see that there is positive effect in the classroom academically, but also socially. And then the other thing, which I, I'm really about, ever since Mel Raskis brought me here to share, um, get the parents involved. And so being in the community, uh, is just a, a, a real good thing. And I think that the other organization was like real big, and this was just that subset of it. Uh, but this is my heart, so I think it's a real good thing, and I'm, I'm with you. Know, with, with, that's going to happen. Is there a motion? There's a resolution. Second. Well, Any other discussion? All those in favor, say aye. Aye. Approve five zero. Thank you very much. Now we have um, Chapel Hill High School's school improvement plan. It wasn't on consent since it, uh, it got approved in early December, earlier this month. So. We're, we're pretty much cruising on the time, though, you know? <laughs> There too. If board members have questions, I mean, I was there when they were working on this. Yeah, yeah. We just didn't see you in the back. Yeah, in the corner. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, as you know, the last time we had a board meeting where you could vote was December the fifth, and uh, Chapel Hill High School was unable to bring you forward because of complications with voting dates and SIP meetings and that sort of thing. So the plan was um, submitted soon after that meeting, and 
was sent to you. Um, we expected uh, Ms. Jackson to be here today, and I don't, I'm not sure what happened. She was expecting to be here. Yes, yes she was expecting to be here as well. Anyway, if you have any questions about the plan, I'll do my best. <laughs> or if you have things I could send forward to her. Members, we didn't have any questions. We were here the last time too. <laughs> you didn't praise me. It's the same. It's the same, it's the same thing. Yeah. Well, actually, these are good are. new plans. Thank like you. that, they uh, parallel the, the long-range plan. That's the main thing. I will send that along. Yeah. All right then, uh, board members, is there a, a, a motion? Motion to approve. Second. All those in favor say aye. Concept and selection of 25% teachers to be able to record their contracts. Okay, Harassi uh, Atkins is, is here this evening, and she, as you recall, she had an initial uh, presentation um, when the 25% um, legislation uh, first came into to our attention. Oh, oh. Let's say hi to Miss Jackson because oh, she's okay, here. She Miss Jackson, come on in and say hi. <laughs> <laughs> come on up to the mic for just a minute. So we, we can introduce you. you. <laughs> Not everyone's met you. We've already approved the plan. I know there was traffic. problems. He's kidding. This is Miss Jackson, principal of Chapel Hill High. Andrew Davidson is our newest board member. Mm -hmm. uh, you might now have met Annetta Streeter. Welcome. Welcome. Dr. Mike Kelly. Mm -hmm. Nice to meet you. Um, you met me nice last night and you've met me before. So I we're just. I don't think I know you were. I hear it's warmer here than in Ann Arbor. It certainly is. <laughs> <laughs> the blue skies are a wonderful thing. Yeah. Yes, yes. So I think that's something yes. I could definitely hear. I went to school there, so I can vouch for that. And yeah. I'm the liaison now to Chapel Hill High, and as I said to you, and like the SIT last night, I'm extremely happy you were here. Oh, and um, louder. <laughs> <laughs> I am extremely happy you're here. We're extremely happy that you're here, and we're hearing a lot of good things about the work you're doing. Great. And um, go forth and educate. <laughs> we're going to keep pushing. <laughs> we're we're going to keep pushing. It, it's going to be an uphill battle, and I now know that. I now know just how steep that hill is, but I think it's, it's quite doable. So, as long as I keep getting the blue skies and not so cold, I think I can. Todd yes. agrees with that. <laughs> Absolutely. We made it to winter break. I mean, that's, <laughs> no, no that's a major goal days. accomplished for the year. Right. 70 degrees on the weekend was not to like. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Which is really, really nice. So, we, we're getting some, some visible improvements, which is helping things. And I think we'll be. 2014 will start on with our game. That's what we're aiming for. But thank you for approving our school. That was great. Yeah. We were sitting out in the hallway. We didn't know yeah. our turn yeah. <laughs> I was rushing through. Great. Thank, thank you. you very much. Nice okay. to meet you all. And uh, unfortunately, it's sorry that I didn't get to war meeting until December. But uh, no one told me I had to come, so <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd make the concert. You'll get, your turn. You'll get in the cycle and rotation. Don't worry. 
Thank you guys. Thank Pleasure you, meeting Jackson. all of you. Have, happy holidays to all of yes. you. And uh, I'll be in the cold country for that. Okay, so as I was saying, and um, we have a recommendation um, that we'd like to, to consider for how uh, we would like to address the 25%. Um, we've had a lot of conversations with um, Teacher Association, um, uh, Todd and Magda and I um, worked with teachers from each school. We had actually a full day where we uh, called the think tank really review possibilities to see where teachers want uh, to survey teachers um, to get their perception because we think we thought it was very important that this particular item that we really went reached out and got input from, from the faculty so we knew where they stood with this because this is going to impact them because the legislation was designed um, to recognize the total top 25 percent of the teaching staff so foolish to put something in play that didn't have a lot of um, at least input and then hopefully support from the teaching staff. So uh, Rossi will go over what the plan is and why we, why we intend to do it this way. Okay, awesome. So I have, um, good evening everyone. Um, so as you know, a couple of months ago we went over just some initial information that we received. So I'm going to go over three major things. One is um, some new information that we've learned or has been clarified since the last time I spoke with you all. Um, and then some um, action steps we have taken and that we propose to take as part of our concept. And then we're going to go into our initial concept. And then I'll have some focus questions as they're, they're in your packets or that we'd like some um, feedback and discussion. But before I get started with my um, presentation of, of our initial concept, I wanted to just, for the benefit of the public, just kind of go over a summary of the legislative changes, just so everyone is on the same page and aware of our proposal in relation to that. So the main thing is that effective August 2013, career status can no longer be awarded. This is a, a, in your board, in the board abstract. Um, and then beginning September 1st, 2013 through June 30th, 2014, superintendents must review the performance and evaluations of all teachers who have been employed by the local board for at least three consecutive years. And then based on those reviews, superintendents shall identify and recommend to the local board 25% of those teachers employed at least three consecutive years to be awarded these four-year contracts beginning with the 2014-15 school year. The superintendent can only recommend teachers who have demonstrated proficiency on the teacher evaluation instrument. The local board shall review the superintendent's recommendation and may approve that recommendation or may select other teachers as part of the 25%. The board can only offer four-year contracts to those teachers who demonstrate proficiency, as the law says, on the, on the evaluation instrument. A career teacher who offers, um, who is offered and accepts a four-year contract must voluntarily relinquish their career status or any claim to career status. And the offer to selected teachers must be made and accepted by June 30, 2014. Those teachers who are employed on a four-year contract will receive, and this is what's quoted in the law, I'm just gonna quote it, it says $500 annual pay raise for each year of the four-year contract. And make it a point to put it in quotations because there has been some debate about whether that truly is a pay raise, but that's exactly how it's written in the legislation, so I put that. Teachers granted career status prior to August 2013 can retain it through June 30, 2018. And then all other teachers will receive one-year renewable contracts. And then effective June 30, 2018, career status will be permanently eliminated as the legislation uh, stands right now. So 
as kind of an overview of the changes. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and um, go over my Prezi. This is the first time I'm doing a Prezi, which Dr. Wright is a fan of. So, um, but I was actually looking at design templates for the, the, the Prezi is basically a PowerPoint. It's like the cooler, younger sister of PowerPoint. But I was looking at the design templates and I did this, started this in November and I came across a crystal ball and I was like, oh, this is perfect. Crystal ball, that's exactly what I'll need in order to <laughs> navigate some of these things. So, um, with that old cool So this is our initial concept. Again, we're going to go over. I'm going to go over an update on some new information. Talk about some action steps we have taken that we will take, and then we're going to go over the initial concept. So some of the new information that we've learned since the last time I presented was that the attorney general did render an opinion on the definition of teacher. Um, that was in question before, and that does include instructional specialists, and those are employees like social workers, um, counselors psychologist, all of the employees that were previously, they're paid on the teacher salary schedule, and they would have been on the tenure cycle anyway. So probationary or careers to have teachers, but it does, the definition of teacher does include instructional specialists. Can I interrupt? Sure. Speech language pathologists are paid on a different salary schedule. So would they, they would be excluded? They are currently on a tenure, uh, no, they're, they would be included because they are probationary or career. Oh, okay. So it's a or, or. Right, okay. So then the other um, information that, um, well, th we still don't know because the three consecutive years, that was kind of a question. We weren't sure about whether or not to count the three, the, this year to count as a, as a third consecutive year. We do propose counting this year as the third consecutive year. And again, you'll see in the concept, we really are trying to be as inclusive as possible. But I'll go over that in a minute. The other piece of new information or information that's been clarified is that funding has only been secured by the current General Assembly for only the first year of the pay increase, and that's 2014-2015. And um, the following language comes directly from Ann McCall's publication of teacher and administrator contracts in which she states that one legislature cannot bind a future legislature. And to fund this contract will require appropriations over three biennial budgets, 2013-15, 15-17, and 17-19. So that's something that um, we definitely need to think about and we thought about as going through this, uh, our concept. The other new information that's been clarified is that the legislation includes language specifying that salaries can be reduced at the end of a contract without it being considered a demotion. As that language of demotion carried a significant weight in the previous statute, um, so it basically says that we can't demote uh, we can't reduce the salary of employees without it being considered demotion and then teachers have other protection rights with a demotion they can appeal and things like that but the new legislation includes language specifying that um, so for example at the end of this four-year contract um, if this, if that salary amount is taken away that is not considered a demotion There is one other thing that I didn't include, but the other um, piece of information that's included in the legislation that's also in um, Ms. McCall's presentation is that any single um, standard rating below proficient is an automatic ground for dismissal during the term of a contract. That, that um, information was built into the uh, legislation, and that's considered conclusive evidence of, quote, inadequate performance, which as many of you know, is one of the 15 reasons a teacher um, currently in the previous legislation, a career teacher can be dismissed. 
Now, if, if a career teacher, for example, accepts a four-year contract, or anyone who, who um, goes on a four-year contract, that language takes effect with beginning with the 2014-15 year. But for example, if a career status teacher decides to retain their career status through June 30, 2018, that language doesn't apply until that time. So that's just something, another piece of information. So what action steps have we taken? Well, as, as Dr. Purcell mentioned, we did meet with the Superintendent Teacher Advisory uh, Committee, and Dr. Purcell and other members of the administration really spent a lot of time talking about other, um, the 4.1 through 4.4, to talk about the professional development plan. He's going to go over that in a little bit. Uh, but we also talked a little, they also talked a little bit about this 25%. As um, Chuck mentioned, of course, we've definitely been in contact with our teacher organization representatives, and they, again, fully support our concept. Last time, as you know, we did a board information presentation. And then we also, following our meeting, we did a pre-recorded presentation that was distributed to principals, um, and they showed that at a faculty meeting. And we found it to be really effective. Because of the uncertainty and the lack of clarity, it was really important that one message and consistent message was sent. So we hope to um, do some of that in the future also. Following that, um, fa those faculty meetings, I asked principals to give a preliminary survey, just to glean numbers only, it was totally anonymous. It wasn't some scientific you know, thing. It basically um, said, it gave some of the change, legislative changes at the top of the form. At the bottom, it simply said, if you were offered um, a four-year contract, would you accept it? We only included yes or no, because we knew at that, at that point, if we said not sure or maybe, well, everybody probably would have checked that. So the results that we got, um, 424 people completed the survey, and of those, 77 um, said that they would accept a four-year contract. That equates to about 18%. But keep in mind, we did this in November. They were asked to submit their survey results by November 22nd. That was before we learned that the you know salary is not considered a demotion at the end of the contract. That was before we learned that a standard rating below proficient would be conclusive evidence of inadequate performance. That was before we learned that funding was only secured for one year. So keep in mind, it was less than 25% at that time. And and uh, 16 schools completed it. Of those 16 schools, only one school had more than 25% saying that they wanted a four-year contract. So keep that in mind when we're going through the concept. And then we are, again, it was really effective that we did that, uh, some recorded, that recorded webinar, and so we hope to do that in the future if the board is amenable to our proposal to repeat that to inform teachers on a wider scale of what the plan is. And we also want to hold at least one large in-person session, and we're going to do that sometime in the beginning of January, just in case um, people don't have access to the webinar, or just, they just learn better in person, that's fine. Then also, if people are really struggling with the decision, we could certainly hold individual meetings with teachers. It could be scheduled on an as-needed basis. That's um, absolutely, we can do that in HR. Um, individual meetings with principals um, have already been scheduled. I'm uh, meeting with all principals individually in January. That's to go over all of their lists of eligible employees at their location, so that they, we can discuss that and have a, they can have a full understanding of all these changes as well. And then I'm going to go into this a little bit later, but of course our, another piece of work to do is we have to actually create the form. Since we're looking at an opt-in process, we're going to go ahead and, of course, work with our, our, our attorneys and make sure um, that our form is legally per permissible. Um, and then we have a deadline, but I'm going to go over that in a second. So our initial concept, 
Before I go into our initial concepts, um, I really wanted to tell you what our guiding philosophy is, and that basically is to be as inclusive as possible. And we really um, recognize and honor the fact that the evaluation instrument was never intended as a tool for high stakes. Um, it was a tool, it's a tool for teacher growth, and it's not, it was never meant to compare teachers to each other um, in this competitive, uh, in the competitive nature. Uh, and we just wanted to develop as fair and consistent a process as possible given the limited information and really the unclear language that was given in the legislation. So we just wanted to do the best that we could out of a very, a very poor situation. And so basically our initial concept is to have teachers opt in um, to, to say, tell us that they want a four-year contract. Uh, but there are some minimum standards. We want eligible candidates to have to be rated as proficient with at least one accomplished rating on their 2012-2013 summative evaluation. And that makes sense because that was the board's uh, standard for granting tenure anyway. So it's above what the law says, but it, it provides a rationale and it's not arbitrary. It's, it's um, something that the board is um, familiar with anyway. Now, if, if there are some teachers who may have just all proficient ratings, if they are interested in getting a four-year contract, then we'll hold an individual meeting with those folks um, to determine whether um, we can offer a four-year contract. Keep in mind, though, what I said about those uh, folks who may be borderline, not saying that proficient is borderline, but you know, if a teacher has had some documented performance concerns or if they're rated just proficient, remember they have to be, have been here for three years, um, they need to seriously consider uh, that provision in the legislation that says that any standard below proficient is uh, conclusive evidence of inadequate performance. So we don't think a lot of teachers who are in that category would want a four-year contract, but if they do uh, and apply for it, we will certainly schedule an individual meeting. Again, we would we propose counting this year as one of the three consecutive years mentioned in the legislation. The legislation is unclear. It doesn't give any direction about that whatsoever. And again, our philosophy is to be as inclusive as, as possible. So uh, we would normally count this current year as one of the three, um, as like say if a probationary teacher was on a four-year track, this would this if they were working this year, this would count as a third year. Um, so this is in alignment with our current tenure granting process anyway. There's was some talk about whether we need to look at 25% from the district perspective or 25% from each school location. Uh, we propose using 25% from each school location. And the reason is that if we do get into a situation where more people wanting a four-year contract than we have built, we need to um, make some decisions about that. And if we do use some evaluation data to look at that, then it should be comparable to each school rather than to the district. So then after hearing a pre-recorded presentation or attending an informational session or an in-person meeting, um, eligible and interested candidates will be asked to submit a form, which would be the application, by March 1st to request a four-year contract. Now that may not seem like a lot of time to consider, but keep in mind that um, our whole contract awarding process is kind of blown up. Usually we have, we have seasonal kinds of things, hiring season, recruitment season. Contract season is not supposed to start this early, but um, 
the reason why we selected March is not so that we're trying to force teachers to make a decision, but we have our regular business to attend to. You know, that's our contract season. We have to take a look at all the other contracts we have as well. We have to meet with teachers who have performance concerns. We have to meet with individual principals. It's a very, very time-consuming process, as you know. So we feel that March is um, late enough that it, make, it gives teachers opportunities to really fully consider that, especially in light of the fact that we're going to be starting to communicate this on a wide scale in January. Um, but that it also will give us enough time to complete our regular contract awarding process. And the contracts are totally new, as you know, so that brings an additional challenge to our contract season also. So then after March 1st, if the school doesn't have the necessary number of teachers wanting to opt in, um, for example, if they have 15 slots available and they have 10 teachers wanting a four-year contract, we'll kind of keep that five, slot, five slots in reserve so that if the alternate um, happens, if desire for a four-year contract exceeds the eligibility, then we'll look to an available opportunity for another school's allotment, say they have 15 slots and 20 teachers want it, then we'll still have five slots at this school. And again, as our preliminary survey results indicated, like only one school out of the 16 that filled did not have over the allotted um, kind of amount given. So we, we really feel strongly that, um, that we won't have to come into that situation. <coughs> But if we do, um, if there are no other schools left with available, then of course we're going to have to determine who's offered one. And this is what you're probably going to be spending the majority of time discussing and giving feedback, but just some ideas. Um, we could use a lottery process at that school. Uh, we could look at a review of the summative evaluation data, or we could consider other things, perform other performance and evaluation factors. Um, but again, we don't believe this is going to be necessary, but if, if we do, then it's going to be on a much smaller and more manageable scale and we'll be able to um, give the proper care and attention to consideration rather than assigning a, some sort of you know, points value system to the evaluation instead of doing that to a large group of teachers and narrowing in we'll be able to say okay if one, one or two schools has more people than needed then we'll really be able to spend some time looking at that, um, that data and make some selections if that's what we're going to go through. So if we don't have enough employees to represent our 25%, because uh, by the statute, the superintendent must make offers to 25% of eligible. So we have to have, we have to offer contracts to 25% of teachers. Um, we propose offering contracts to employees who, who also, of course, have to meet the proficiency standards, but maybe who work in areas of high need, like EC self-contained or math teachers. So, for example, um, I stood here two weeks ago and talked to you about how difficult it was to recruit and retain teachers. Um, we feel that if we have more slots available, why not give teachers that we have um, high turnover rates in, teachers that we really, for stellar teachers who we want to stay, why not give them um, an offer of a four-year contract, as long as they meet the minimum standards. Now again, employees who are offered four-year contract, they don't have to accept them. So just by us including those EC teachers or math teachers or other high needs area teachers, that's not committing them at all. It's just to say we really value you, we want you to stay, um, so we're going to go ahead and- We have to make, our job is to make the, the offer. offer. Exactly. And if someone turns it down, then okay. Just one other point, because um, I think it'd be important to clarify, we have to yes. get to the 25% number. We will have offer. to identify 25%, regardless of whether or not 25% of the employees opt in. 
Okay, so I, I want to follow the math, make sure I got it. But first, they're requesting, and you're saying if, if, if via the requests at, at the schools, but also if there's leftover, if we're not at 25%, but these, but the EC teacher and the math teacher didn't ask they, for I it. I know, they didn't ask for it. That's why I'm making a point to say they don't have to accept it, but it's just giving them an opportunity to We got to find we somebody. Have to, we have to have a reason, and those are hard to oh, fill areas. Right. Okay. So rather than doing so some random thing, why not offer it to teachers? It's kind of like recruiting them. You didn't apply, but we're going to try to recruit you for this. Uh, but again, they don't. It's no risk to them because they don't have to accept that. Yeah. But we don't have to do that either. That's just the thought mm -hmm. that we had. That why not send the message to those teachers when we have a hard time recruiting and, and teaming. Um, as a sign, as a message to say that we value it, but we don't. We can certainly look to other other things to fill up. Okay, I think we'd have to emphasize the value versus. Uh, and we're taking away your tenure. <laughs> yeah, they have to. They have to accept this. I mean, they didn't ask for it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they have to voluntarily relinquish it. So we're not going to impose okay. this on them at all. Okay. Um, clarifying question. Do. We have to, we're required to make an offer to 25%. Right. We, the district is not required to have 25% of its workforce on this contract. Right. So all we have to do is provide documentation to some authority that here's who we offered this to, and half of them say decline, That's and right. then it's done. done? Yes. Well, what is the point of this? No, 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 we don't have time for that. <laughs> I don't see any value in the exercise if if it's not going to be actual contracts. Um, and then I don't see the value of, uh, of a um, high needs uh, occupation being offered a contract because they will not get those raises every four years, so, as the statute says. So we need to present to the board as we normally, as we've done in the past when we go in and we present mm -hmm. in people for uh, contract renewals and, or for tenure, mm -hmm. we need to present you with a list. Right. You will then uh, be voting on approving that list to award contracts. Right. Then the mechanism occurs after that, where we then go to the, the individual teachers and say, "You have been, uh, you have the option of a four-year contract yeah. before you. Do you want it? Yes or no?" And most of them, we presume from this, would have actually said they want it, but they can still exactly. decline it. They have two opportunities, really, to, to opt in or out. Other questions? Are we questions, or do we need to talk? No, I just wanted to end with our guiding philosophy in mind. That again, the reason why we um, created this concept is we want to be as inclusive as possible, and, and recognize the fact that the teacher evaluation instrument was designed as a tool for growth. Thank you. Shall we discuss this part first? Yes, and I, and I think what's, what's the, the next piece that's, that's important. And we met with the, the, the teachers. Dr. Harvey and Mr. Fabrice and I uh, spent significant time talking about this and then talking about what's in our long-range plan and how that fits. And the, the feedback from that group was very clear that they understood that probably not the way we reward now just strictly based on years in the position is not the best way to do that. And the teachers understand that they're very willing to look at something locally, which I think, because as you know, our plan is going to be 
mostly is going to be all based on our local funding, which we have to keep control over. So our conversation was, whatever happens with this, or whatever the next, there will be another rendition, because the legislature is going to have to come up with something that's permanent, because this is, this is like, this goes for a short period of time, that, and you can't count on whatever they come up with being a good plan. So locally, what are we going to do, and how do we base, as you know, our plan more on growth and development, and actually how things are changing in classrooms. So the teachers are very receptive to this. We've had conversations with um, the um, teacher associations, and they're very receptive in exploring. That's why I think the timing is good, that as opposed to this kind of a model, can we create something that's better? And um, at least the feedback we're giving you now is pretty positive. And I would like to add something to that, too. You may be thinking to yourself, oh, well, you have this goal in your long-range plan, and then there's this mandate why don't we see if we can merge them together? And I want to explain why. Well, number one, as you know, Dr. Purcell, anything he undertakes, we value the input of teachers. And to get that type of feedback and to, to do all of that due diligence, it takes a lot of time. The other thing, not to mention the fact that we just philosophically disagree with this idea, this path is totally different, as Dr. Purcell mentioned. It's based on professional growth and teachers implementing that in, in their classroom. It's totally disjointed. It doesn't fit. The other thing that's important to note is that this is a one-time deal. We're not going to be awarding four-year contracts until 2018. So we can't conjoin our plans together. They don't fit, number one. And number two, to do the plan that we want to do, it's going to take a long time. We don't have that kind of time um, to do this. This is one one chance. Right. We don't do this again next year. It's no. just, this is it. This is it. Okay. Right. Right. Um, Mike. Okay, um, I have some questions first. Um, the, the teacher, this is a contract, so the teacher is under contract to stay for the length of the four years. Uh, yes, but of course teachers can resign and provide a 30-day notice to break that contract, but um, there's no provision that says they have to stay, even with their current contracts. So a career teacher who leaves, they, they can... different than the current contract. It is different, but there is no language that says that they must, as a result of receiving these increases, they have to stay. So it's just like any other contract; they can they can resign and give um, notice. Give notice, just like they, they have that eligibility now. Is that a provision of the contract? The was contracts haven't been um, drafted yet. Was so. it was it in the statute? I mean, the contracts we have with superintendent and su assistant superintendents have a provision in there about that notice. I think. Ninety-five and ninety-day notice. Right, there's some some language in there. So is there? I mean, if the contract says you're going to stay for four years, does that mean you're staying for four years? Yeah, and I think she's know. right. The teacher can resign on thirty days notice. But where does that, but where does I, that come but from? But the um, it may be in the model. DPI has drafted a model contract. I don't know if it's been approved yet. It was sent. It was developed in the rulemaking process, um, and I'm not sure if it's been approved yet. But okay. it may be in there. All right. So are are we limited to twenty five percent? Yes. By statute. Yes. Anna. Um, this is laughable. Um, I'm sorry. How can the state prevent us from offering a contract to other teachers? Is that is that how does it work? Well. In this particular contract, the state is providing money for the 
right. first year raises. It also has the requirement that they give up their tenure or start of that. Um, so I don't. So we couldn't do that part. That would be part of I mean, there's nothing. Well, I mean, you've got the current statute that's still running concurrently until 2018. So it's kind of a mashup. But you can still do the one-year contracts for temporary positions and things like right. that. Right. My understanding, those who are not offered the four-year, the only option that we have is the one-year. One year. Is the one-year. What happens until 2018? Until 2018. Right. And what happens to the 20 whatever percent that accept four-year contracts if the state doesn't come up with the additional funds? Are we on the hook for that? Because that's one contract? of the unknowns. One of the issues. I think that a possibility would be to put in there in the contract that it's contingent on the state. Absolutely. There's no doubt. And I'm sorry, and that the Thunder Judgment is going to be coming up with language uh, for the board to use that addresses that funding. I think that's a very important point. Okay, Annette, um, so uh, I guess this is the third page of the abstract. Um, the fourth bullet, um, you spoke to this earlier um, that you know, with the, the, if there could be a reduction in the salary, so how would this reduction, I mean, I know that there's a possibility that, you know, one General Assembly may not have the funds to appropriate, um, but if from that fixed salary that they have, that it becomes reduced in the next year, how exactly would that happen? Um, I mean, the, the only precedent I know of is a few years ago, um, we had a across-the-board reduction, and as a compensation, if you will, uh, it, well, it was a, a furlough, and we got some comp time. Um, so, have you gotten any yeah. indication of what that would look like? Uh, absolutely not, because okay. they're still acting as though the, this is going to be a four-year thing. So they wouldn't, you know, speak to. Oh, by the way, if the funding's not there, here's what we're going to do. There's no contingency. That's just one of the risks that somebody who's considering a four-year contract has to weigh. Okay. Don't know. Can I follow right, up so, on that though? Uh -huh. But isn't that breach of contract then on the state and the boards so that they're, they're, they they could get, potentially get their uh, tenure back? I mean, we, we would then the contract would be breached. If I were the employee, I'd be arguing, sorry, you breached the contract, my tenure's back. Well, again, it would depend on, if you have in the contract that it's dependent on appropriations, then no. But I, I think whether or not the state doesn't provide the funding is not, it's not an easy question to say it's breach of contract or not. There's no contract between the state and the board, for example, or the state and the teachers. box on the top left um, it describes some I'm sorry uh, 
me just make sure. Okay, no, it's the bottom box um, on the left side. So you talk about some possible, um, some other options for determining who would be eligible. And one of them was to review um, their summative evaluation data. Um, and I'm curious about that because we, if we are to include this current school year as one of the three, and, and, and require that they submit their application by March 31st. Will summative evaluations have been done for this current school year? So you won't have summative data for the current school year, but this school year would be one of the three, and the, and the closest year to the contract issuance. Right. You and see that's what I'm saying? Exactly, but that's yeah. why we propose using 2012-2013 evaluation data if we have to get to that point. Because remember, we don't think that if we're going to have enough people to do that. But in okay. the event we do, that's a contingency, and that's just one of a couple of things that we could look at. But we wouldn't necessarily have to look at this year. What I would do is, um, if, if there are third-year teachers, which there are only about, um, I think the last section, maybe 30 to 40 of them, um, that would be easy enough to, to review their, just to see if they're on a trajectory of being below proficient or something. But we could look at our, the 2012-2013 data just like we would do with anyone else. Yeah. Well, if there's some, if there is some value to this exercise, I can see how some teachers might be put at a disadvantage because um, hypothetically, one of those teachers, you know, who, you know, if you're, you're examining them to see if they're on this trajectory, to, to being proficient and eligible, year one or year two could have included some type of um, action plan or intervention for the teacher and their, their um, you know, getting on board with that and getting more development and this third year that, you, that, that you're proposing be a part of the three years is their, their growth year, is their determining year and I can see that putting them at, at, at a disadvantage, even though they might be showing promising and significant growth, promise and significant growth. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely, but the alternative to that would be to exclude them altogether. No, we don't do that. Yeah, so, so that's the only other alternative. It's either include the, those as the, you know, they're in their third year, or exclude them. But they'd have to be proficient, so. They'd have to be proficient be anyway, so they wouldn't, play. right. But uh, you're looking at 12, 13 data where they, May not, they may have been yeah. borderline, which deemed an action plan or some type of intervention, and they're recovering from that and improving in this current year. And this may be the candidate who feels as if they do want the security, again, whether you see value in this or not, in this exercise or not, they may see some value in having security that is defined as, as a four-year contract. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely, and so, that, that's true, but remember I said that I was gonna be meeting with anyone who was kind of borderline right. anyway to go over that. Right. Plus, remember what I said about um, that one single standard below proficient is conclusive evidence of inadequate performance? So I don't, we just don't believe that, that a lot of those teachers who may be borderline would even clamor for this contract because think about the risk. Yeah. But we want to be able to explain to that personally and individually. So anyone who does fall into that court category, absolutely, it's a valid point. I totally understand what you're saying. But we're going to try to take steps to help them with that um, and individually meet with them. But again, the alternative to um, not counting those in the third year is just exclusion altogether so that they wouldn't be in the pool of eligible. Okay. One, one, last, um, one last 
point or a reminder, and you've probably considered this, um, but for those instructional specialists who have um, dual um, sites where they work, just to ensure that they are not counted twice. Oh, gosh, right. Yeah. Yeah. If, if the numbers, you know, start to get very close, which, you know. Absolutely. But that's what I thought about. You know, we have teachers who have dual assignments, so well, dual locations. Some are only assigned to Lincoln Center. Right. We have those uh, teacher databases. We already have spliced data and done all that, but we always have teacher databases sorted by location. And what we do in, with itinerant teachers is we assign them like a payroll location. Every person has to have a payroll location to make sure that so they're it's not based on that. It's a okay. school. Exactly. And not Lincoln Center. There, you know, like Lincoln Center employees are some of the autis, uh, autism specialists and some yes, of those other groups. We have that listed as one department. And so when I'm, I'm meeting with principals in January, I'm also meeting with Nancy, Marion Baldwin, and Dr. Mm -hmm. Leplin. So they're kind of like the administrator of that site. So we have that covered. So Lincoln Center employees. It's going to be a site. Like, it's going to be a site. Exactly. Oh, okay. Exactly. And, Thank you. Andrew, you're up. <laughs> okay. So. The moment, and I think I, I got an answer to this question. Um, if it, let's say a teacher opts in on March 1st, but then doesn't get selected the 25%, they don't lose the career status. They won't lose the career status when they execute the exactly. contract. Is that right? Okay. So that makes sense. Um, what if we're below the 25% acceptance, acceptance rate before June 30th? Can we continue to make offers? That's a great question, and the answer is no. So we have to have one list, and we don't, we're not required to replace those and do. We just, again, want to do this as a one-shot thing. Okay, right. we don't, we're not going to be doing that business of, um, we don't have 25% keeping going to the board. We could, we're just not going to, is that, or would we? I don't know of anyone. Yeah. We should. I think the way the legislation reads is it says shall offer. offer. Not offer, not shall execute, okay. Okay. And then I, I would imagine that we've encountered this before, but we have mechanisms for identifying the teacher evaluation instrument for every teacher that's in that's being considered. Okay. It's computerized now too, right? The teacher evaluation instrument is the instructional specialists are still on paper, but they have they all have the equivalent of proficient. It may be different language like that standard, but it's all that kind of equivalent proficient. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so first of all, I, I, you've put so much thought as a group, and I know by you. And um, I really appreciate the guiding philosophy being up there to, re to remind us what it is really that we don't love about, or don't, we don't like about this from the perspective of this district, which is that it's asking us to use a tool in a way it was never designed. And so I, I like that that's right up there so that the people mm -hmm. don't know much about this issue, then, then they'll understand, okay, this is why this district doesn't support this. Um, so along those lines, I don't know, if you if you were looking for for thinking about, um, I, I, I appreciate. Well, I should say I really appreciate the opt-in. Again, that leaves the, the power as much as possible in the teachers' hands, um, and um, it just doesn't sound like we're likely to have people clamoring. But if we, I mean, but if we were to have over twenty-five percent or whatever, I think a lottery again, it it it. it, it it allows us to reject the process, but to, to, to meet the letter of the law, I think. You know, that we don't buy into this, but we'll do it. And so, you know, we'll do it by lottery rather than using this instrument appropriately of comparing people from these, um, you know, the, the, the summative evaluation data. So that's my thought about that. And then um, 
It is really, I agree with uh, kind of where James Edder was going. It's a double-edged sword. I understand why you'd want to offer more money to the EC and the math teachers. It's something it would be really good we could do anyway, just because they're so hard to fill those jobs. But this thing is so is such a poison pill that um, I, I, I don't know. I just think maybe there's some other random, almost another lottery kind of, okay, we're just going to pick you out of a hat and offer it to you. We do not expect you to take it. It's completely up to you. So. That would be, again, on. Ford, I want to just get whether we have some consensus on it's fine to be counting this year as one of the three consecutive years. I can see some nods of heads. Okay, I agree. I had one question about that, and this is just me being a really nerdy CPA. What if somebody had worked for us three years? It's, it's three for this district, right? Not three for North Carolina. Exactly. Three with the local board. Okay, so what if they had worked for us three years ago? They maybe had some babies and stayed home, and now they've been back for one year. Could they be included? That's three consecutive years. That is definitely a question that has been raised before. I don't think so. It says who have been employed by the board, you know, beginning September 1st, 2013 to oh, okay. June 30th. Well, that's very explicit. I, I didn't know that. shall review the performance evaluation okay. of all teachers who have been. Okay, that answers that. So I that. think there, there may be some question about whether you can use this year or it has to be three years before September 1st. I don't think that's but not clear. not way in the but past. Not. Okay. All right. So well, we had consensus then uh, on um, using this year. I think the, one of the other questions that, that uh, Mike sort of raised and it was in the abstract, I feel strongly that it should be, uh, that we cannot promise to have this money, so it needs to be contingent on the state funding in the contract. Others thinking that way or thinking the board should obligate ourselves to? State appropriate. Okay. All right. So we have consensus on that. How many, how many, I'm sorry, I should have read the uh, beginning opening the school report. How many teachers are we talking about? How many people sure, do we employ? Teachers. Uh, so there are about 1,200 teachers and instructional specials. However, about 800 have the three consecutive years, with this year counting as the third year. Okay. Um, and of those, 200, about 200 would be the 25%. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I have a couple of, I, I agree with what all of y'all have said about it. It's very unfortunate um, that the state has taken this route in many ways. But, but um, I haven't reviewed the, um, some of evaluation in a long time. So when I'm evaluated for my job, I am evaluated on my technical expertise, and I, I know that the some of evaluation has that. I'm also evaluated on my client relationships. Does the summative evaluation include an evaluation of how uh, teachers work with their clients, the teacher, the students, and parents? Is that part Absolutely. of it? Okay. Absolutely. So, well, that's one of the five standards. Thank you. That's what I could not remember, and I read this at 10:30 this morning, so I. I'm sorry. Um, and I'm also evaluated on my working relationships with my colleagues. Is that part of the summit of evaluation? Yeah. Uh, the evaluation instrument for teachers yes. is really, really comprehensive. It has so many ele- elements associated with the standards, but those are all the things that are uh, That makes about. me feel much more comfortable that even though it wasn't intended for that, at least it captures sure. some of this uh, broader, you know, softer skills Absolutely. as well that are so critical to teaching. Um, I think there should be one other step, and that is to review their personnel, even if they, in this last 2012-13, you know, meet the proficient and they accomplish, that their personnel file should be reviewed for both negative, particularly negative, and positive. You know, is there anything else, though, in the past three years that 
would make the superintendent say, oh no, not this one, I don't care what they did last year. Just not for the, I don't need to know it as a board member, but I just think you guys might want to consider that. Um, I'm a little, I know you had to choose, and I'm glad that the teacher organization is on board with this, about the 25% from each school. So I'm relieved to hear that only one school was over that 25% because I, I, I do actually believe that some of our schools are a little stronger and it could be skewed 30%, 20%. And in particular, I would like the board and administration to give um, thought to Phoenix Academy High School because I think I would give every teacher in that school who meets this the opportunity to apply. I would not, I just really wouldn't set a 25%. I think the work that they do in the population they serve is so above and beyond what is required at our other schools that, that I'd like you all to consider that um, and not have to make them wait to see if there's room at another school. I just think they're that's yeah. a really uh, good point because of the small number of staff there, and so as long as they meet the minimum standards of proficiency, like everyone else, I don't say that that would be a problem. Well, we got yeah, so, but you know we have to make it sure. formal so that it's yes. fair to everybody, and everybody knows that. And I don't know if there's any board colleagues who might be opposed to that or think so. It might be eighty percent at that school. You know, I mean, if they met it versus twenty-five percent. It seems to me like given the numbers that we're talking about, we could probably just drop that twenty-five percent threshold. It seems like it made sense for the first part of it, but I think they're going meaning saying we dropped, we dropped the 25% threshold at each of the schools, saying we have to, do you understand what I'm saying? That it might be, for those who apply, that it might not even come up at 25%, so who matters, but I think at Phoenix, they will, they'll be over. I'm right. Say, I guess I'm not. Allow whatever number at, at any given school rather than capping it at 25%. The problem is, um, Andrew, is that we have to offer to 25%. No, I understand that, and I think what we, now I don't think I'm following the math. Each, he's saying don't, don't cap, cap it at each school. Don't cap it at each school. Just That's right. Let who's going to apply apply right. and see and how it falls out. And then see how it falls out. Yeah. That will be fine. The only thing is that if there is uh, if there are schools that are over, right. then I want to, let's say if some of the evaluation data is the thing that we use to narrow them down, right. I was thinking it should be comparable to that school rather than then be looked at along with compared to, compared to the district. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I kind of agree with that. I, See, I really kind of go the other way. I like the problem. We're not at a place yet yeah. in the and, and our, we're getting better at it, but we don't have any too greater reliability. Oh, that's right. So I that's true. With that, that's very true. If you use the summative, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that that's you do well, start there. That is what you, you start are, with. Oh, that's true. No. That's so that that's so that's what really made yeah, you lean that way because you had to consider you know, I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I, just, I don't think we're gonna get. I don't think we're gonna get to the number. I don't think we're gonna get to 25 percent district wide. Well, what it's no, sounding like we do, and then if the concern, yeah, but the overall, you have an instrument that's not designed for that purpose. But yeah. the first year we used this instrument, our intermediate reliability was like this, and it's, yeah. it's getting better because the grass has worked with principals on that. Yeah. Um, but we're not at the place where we could really say that one school and the other school. While looking at the instrument in the same way and evaluating it in the same way. Well, we, and we, I, can, I guess I can say I've seen that certainly. You're never going to get perfect. Yeah, of course. I mean, because I think there's, if we, want, if we want to include the Phoenix, I really if we do. want to do that set aside for Phoenix Academy, I think the only way to make that equitable is to say we will allow whatever right, right. from whatever school. And I think that if we're going to have to make tough decisions at some point, 
no matter what, right? We're gonna have to yeah. we're gonna have to choose between one teacher or another, between one group. Or maybe or not. Maybe not. Maybe, right, maybe the number just not. doesn't rise. In which right. case, right. then we've. Right. But it would seem. At a minimum, we could put them in like the high needs category and perhaps put them at the front of the high well, needs the category. Well, the first, the first one, and it doesn't the have math, secondary math. Right. Or the first school to be considered, you know, that ha has more over their twenty-five percent than mm -hmm. than the others. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to glottery that or some way, or take them alphabetically or something. Yeah, I don't. I don't like you the know, idea of lottery. Not. I don't like the idea of lottery. I like. I mean, if we're gonna make the decision over, uh -huh. I, I understand the, the challenges with the with the quantitative assessments, but I don't, I don't like the idea of putting up to a lottery. But they could still, Phoenix could go first over the, I mean, that's what we need to talk, well, we don't really have to decide. They need some feedback. If there are no other schools with left with availability, you know, lottery or, then, or review of their others, review. Our challenge have a will review. be, though, at one we point in the time, there's going to be one person in and one person out at one point in time. What do you yeah. So if you go to lottery, well, lottery, lottery solves it perfectly. But if you look at high needs, for example, math, you're going to have X number of math teachers, and you might only have seven slots. You might have eight ten. math mm -hmm. or ten math teachers. So then there's a little bit of a dividing line, which then we have another layer, mm -hmm. which is. Just going back to Phoenix, just by yeah. the way, um, on the survey, only one person said they were interested. That's what I mean. Real numbers. That's not real numbers. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. There's so. still a few months. There's still a few months, but remember, that was before all the bad information. <laughs> the additional bad right. information. And the board's saying, we're not, we're say we're not coming up with the money. Stuff. Yeah. Right. So, uh, one of the things that I think, because I don't know that we're certainly making decisions. I think a rule of thumb is, as you point out, and as, as we know, you got a busy NHR. And so the other element of thinking about how you, the choices that you'll make, particularly you know, where you're looking for feedback, is what takes you the least amount of time. If it was our instrument, we'd want you to spend tons of time doing it exactly how we want you to do it. Um, but since this is not our thing, I think whatever you can do Take care of this with the letter of the law and as fair as possible. And be fair is, is what I would say. So, um, and I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know how hard it is to do a lottery or how it, how hard it is to look at you know individual things. But that would be my the thing that would. Well, or you come back to us that when you get to that point. If you get to that decision point, you know that that we have more That's than 25 percent, right. then you can ask us again. Absolutely. And we can know what the numbers are, right. real numbers. Are we talking about 10 people? Are we talking about 300 right now people? Right we're just, yeah, we're just okay. guessing. Yeah. So that'll work. That's all on that part. Now we need to talk about, though, um, with our goal four. Well, goal four was what um, is what from our plan. Rest has already spoken to this, how they're going in different directions where ours is a growth and development model um, that we're really trying to link um, the professional growth to classroom performance. Um, part of it will also be based on student achievement. So it would be much more comprehensive. And the difference between this, what we're trying to do with merit pay, merit pay does recognize people and I think the legislature Governor on several occasions um, has, has, has uh, spoken about this. 
he feels that outstanding teachers should be recognized. There's a big difference between being recognized and that's it, and grows. So if, if you get recognized, that's fine, but it doesn't make, doesn't make you any better. It doesn't make anyone else better, especially since there's no follow-up plan or anything to strive for for those people who might like to get the money. So I think the difference in what we're trying to do is to create more of a dynamic environment where people can have career advancement, can move on a salary schedule based on what they put into it. And if you put the effort into it, and then you plan on having a process where you have to demonstrate through video critiques or whatever it might be in that process we're developing, that you're actually implementing your training and development in the classroom, that's how you get the financial reward, which is, which is a lot different. Um, and the history of merit pay proposals in, in many states is that they, they just don't have the money to fund them. So it's dependent on new money, uh, whereas our proposal is based on existing money. So in, in many states that have, have run these programs, they say 25% of the people, and then if you're really gonna have a robust program, anyone that would become eligible in time It'll just cost you so much money. Most states abandon them because they can't afford it. If your goal, unless your goal is only to say you're never going to have more than 25% of your staff that's really good, huh. which is I don't know, have a negative yes. consequence. It doesn't make sense. So as we look at this compared to what we're trying to do, I think our plan makes more sense because number one, in these economic times, Kind of, it's still, I mean, we're in the public sector, we're not going to see a lot of, I don't see for a long time, a lot of new money, so you can't depend on new money coming into the system. Our plan is to use existing money, our local money, in a different way. It just makes more sense than what we're trying to do with our goal four. We do have someone who's looking at, um, from Evergreen Solutions, um, that's really takes a look at all kinds of things in schools, but they're looking at our salary schedule. And they're coming up with solutions and how we can utilize that local supplement and coming up with a proposal for us and how it can work. Because it, you really don't want to put something in and then say five years old, we didn't think of this, too many people, we don't have enough money. So Evergreen Solutions is, is Todd and I had a conference call a couple weeks ago with them. Um, so they're coming up with some proposals because the big thing will be the finance. How do we finance it? And does it become something where some people, you'd have to be, are we going to be a gatekeeper and say that everyone gets in all the time, and which could be a good thing because, or do you have some things that are requirements of your first year people, for example, a certain minimum for everyone, but then after that it almost becomes something that you have to apply to get into it and it leads to other kinds of steps. It all depends on how much money is available. And you have to look at how many people are, I don't know, 35, 36 years, whatever it is, how many of those people are going to age out, and then if you're going to do any grandfathering, where is that? So we ask them to take a look at all different kinds of possibilities. So if people are within two years of getting to a step, when is this going to happen? How many people are going to leave, and how much does that how much money becomes available, whereas once we institute something like this, the payoff isn't going to be immediate because you have to go through something before you get it. So there'll be 
three, four years, whatever it is, before you even have to make the first payout, and then people start leaving the system. And that's where the big money is. And local money is in this district, is at the top, with that 25%. Those are, those are big dollars, and that becomes available. I don't have all the answers yet, but just to give you a, this is where we are. We're hoping by the February planning retreat to have this financial data. It's the financial data that's going to drive it. I think we can be very good at creating the kinds of training. Um, as you know, and if you, if you don't remember, when we went into the whole coaching model and retraining of our coaches, part of that plan was knowing that something like this might be coming, that best of our coaches would become trainers. So for example, and we told them when they were hired that they may be at a different school year so that um, if um, they may not work the first week of the year, but you don't know, do a lot of coaching like that, they may not work the last two weeks of the school year, and there might be other times that they're not working, some of these coaches who are the trainers, but they owe us three or four weeks in the summer, so we're not paying extra money. For, for the training, at least at some of the beginning levels. So, you know, we're trying to take as much into consideration as we can so we don't get this cost that five or six years from now, you know, whether it's this board or some other group of people saying, we can't afford to do this, which is often the thing that hurts most kind of development models or programs. And in working with IFL, where next year's a year we're getting to phase out, need for IFL, and we've been talking to them a lot about sustaining work, and that's part of our conversation with them, that we don't want us to leave, and then everything goes away. And, you know, what Dr. Carver's doing is looking at her people, and who are the people that are to sustain this work so we can do our own training once IFL is, is gone, and yet we create the consistency among our schools. So, I'm not saying it's going to be thing to do, but if, if it all works with the dollars, and I think that's going to be the driver, um, I think we can get something that will just sustain itself over the time. But we won't know that. Hopefully we'll have information for you by February. By time. You should? Okay. Um, just so I understand, the Evergreen Solutions? Um, We're just looking at the dollars and taking a look at our salary schedule, where the people are, and okay. how much money is going to, how much, in different scenarios, how much money can we go? So they're looking at uh, the state Our salary, our and local, local supplement. Just the local supplement. It's all we at. control. Okay, right. gotcha. Okay, thank you. I have a question, but it really isn't so much about that. I think that's fabulous. I'm glad we're going to take at some point, so we're doing this sort of, in, it's about uh, 4.3 and the first bullet of clarify teacher and leadership roles and responsibilities. And so um, at what point do you think we'll, you'll have some feedback or, or sense of how things are going with the new structure, the, ex, the new structure in Northside? Um, yeah, well, I'm hoping to have some, we'll have some feedback also. Is that the, the, the board planning retreat, we're going to go over to where we are with on the strategies of the plan. So um, you know, let's try something new there. Unfortunately, um, you know, what we would like to do is build our capacity. Um, part of this model is to so that those people who were put in those mid-level leadership positions were interviewed and selected for that. 
what we'd like to see is if you have a, a, a model where people can choose to get into that strand that I want to be a leader, I want to be this, and you train them for it, now you begin to cultivate your own people. But we don't have anything yet, so Northside is piloting something based on what we want to do, but not exactly because we didn't train these people. But they are, they are heavily involved with IFL and learning on the fly a lot of it. Whereas if you think, if you really do this well, and if we could ever pull it off and do something with leadership, as we move forward, you know, we would have more control over you know, who are those shining stars and who are the people that even, or other kinds of leadership positions in the district where we can readily identify some of these people. And you're, you're pretty, you're pretty aware, you know, we've got these people. We know who they are, we know how they react. They've done other kinds of leadership. And there's a career pathway, which is something that education there isn't. It's, it's years on the job as opposed to other intermediate levels that you can aspire to and you may choose just to stay at that intermediate level and you may take the your future principles. But maybe not. We don't want you know, there's different career paths which there are right now. Anybody? I have um, I, I, I would like to I'm looking forward to hearing um, what this might look like and if there's money, and I understand it's financial. I'm also a little worried. Um, a master's degree gives you what kind of percentage increase formally from the state? If, or it's still, if you have already completed it, how much more do you get? 10%. 10%. So that's going it's away. going away for anybody. How, Ross, would you please come in and share yes. with us so so what's yeah, going on? It's going away for anyone who has not earned one before May 1st, I think. So anyone who's all, who has it by that date will continue to be paid that additional 10%. Just because um, my, a teacher who taught my son um, just also wanted us to be very cognizant that there's just a certain level of pay you need to be able to have in order to stay in this profession. And, and many of them rely on that master's degree, so it, it's a little concerning um, that if you have a, a younger teacher who, who May, you know, won't be rewarded for for earning that. They're going to have at least three thousand dollars less pay. Um, can, can they still afford to stay and be a teacher if we, as we move to this and and adjust the? Will there be enough opportunity with this local supplement and this plan? That's what we're hoping because you know, for them right, to the still have enough to live on. And right be a now, the teachers getting a master's, they're shelling out a lot of money to get it. So what the hope is that. We have internal capacity to, to reward teachers. Number one, they're not, they don't have to put the upfront money. We're not going to pay them to come to the training. The carrot is you move up on salary schedule. So, yeah. okay. you know what I mean? Okay. Yes. So it's an opportunity okay. that's there. And the way our preliminary discussions are that in the ideal, you'd like to see some minimal standard that every teacher has to be, get involved with. But there are those who may choose to move to different levels. And that's that's, that's a personal choice. If you can live on $35,000 and that's what you want, and you don't want to, but you have to do the minimum, but if you want to aspire to something else, okay. like in any other business, it's, uh, it's on your effort and what you, want, what you want to put into it. I think the other thing is every, people are at different places in their lives. You may have young teacher ex children at home, this and that. No, I can't go to that training program right, right now. I don't have time to do that. Yeah. 
by three years I'll be ready. Yeah. And they can do that. So that's the kind of model. And just to add to that point, think about how limited we are with this state plan in that we can't even offer to someone who has less than three years. So most likely those are the ones who don't have their master's degree. So with a proposal like this, we wouldn't have those kind of limitations. Mm -hmm. If there's some great talent and beginning teachers, they could jump they into something like this and they can say, I don't wait 25 years. Right. You know, if I'm good, right. I can move up and I demonstrate that. And I would like to see program become more rigorous. So it's almost like when you're in the insurance industry and you go through the actuarial programs. Maybe yeah. the CLUs, okay? Whatever it is. <laughs> as you get, as you get, to, that, you get to that upper levels, it's a pretty rigorous program. Yeah. And then you really get those people who are the, the, the real uh, master teachers that get up to that level. I'm curious. did we give you enough? I was looking now at your handout. <laughs> and um, I thought overall concept, we're all on board. Use of the third year, yes, we were all on board. If more people apply the slots available lottery, blah, 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 we were sort of, well, maybe just let us know if we get to that. Gotcha. What about this fourth one, though? If less than 25%, we really didn't give you a good feedback on that. Use of high needs teachers who m meet the established criteria board members, what are you thinking there? You know where I'm at? Over here, if we don't have 25%, the last box on this page, um, we, I, I made the comment as a dual-edged sword, but of course they, they don't have to accept it. We just gotta offer it to people. I'm very supportive. Uh, we used to have a list. Remember, we used to offer signing bonuses. Well, you can just decide which ones are hardest to fill. Hardest to fill, because because that'd be current data. Yeah. We'll yeah. See Chinese dual language. How, how many we have to fill, right? Yeah, we would know at that point. Um, and there are districts okay. right now in the states of the larger districts, with D.C., for example, they have unfilled positions from the other store. Right, right, right. Okay. So I think I can so we're also okay with revisit that. that and just, you know, maybe as time goes on between this time, if there's something else to add, I can certainly come back. Uh, yeah. And I think we're, we're fine with high needs. It's, it's not as random as a lot of and it, it, it has some logic behind it. Okay. Did you get enough from us? Yes. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to the teacher organizations and all the teachers that have participated. And I'm really sorry that they're already stressed with being lower paid. We're doing so much with Common Core and improving instruction. I don't want them to have to be stressed over this. I would encourage any retiree to sign up, sign up. You know, if you know you're retiring in the next four years, go for it. You should get $500. That's funded. This is your retirement amount, <laughs> so it makes sense. Okay, um, this brings us to sharing, and I hope you, I'm going to call on you and Andrew to share about the Culbert groundbreaking this morning. So um, I was at the Culbert groundbreaking with four county commissioners. For the um, science labs. Oh, right, the Culbert groundbreaking for the science labs. It, it was a very lovely, quick event, and the audience, um, in addition to people who had advocated it were seventh grade students who will in fact get to use the new science classrooms next year so that that was exciting to us i don't know if it was exciting to them but we, <laughs> we were pleased on their behalf that they were going to get brand new um, classrooms and i think that the main proponent of the science um at, at, you know, adding the science classrooms in the science wing uh, commissioner alice gordon um duly got recognized for her she didn't talk about it. It was probably close to 20 years of advocacy um, to get that to happen. And 
She hung in there, Good. got it done, and the trucks were rolling. You mean trucks were rolling? Like they're starting work? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah they turned so them off. Took those so shovels out of the children, the the children will have to wear hard hats tomorrow, but then. <laughs> they were weak for sleep. They were. They were. They were. This is this is I didn't. I didn't get a chance to make. Oh, you didn't get to go. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have mentioned Dexter. Did James get to go? No. Oh, because no. he had a family emergency. Okay. Oh, so, me. I'm glad pleasure. you could make it. That was really. No, it was great. It was good. Oh, good. Um. I and want to uh, share, um, as you're probably aware, um, the most recent subcommittee that makes that recommends uh, charter schools for whether they keep their charters or uh, or not. Uh, Basic Academy was has been recommended uh, that their charter would expire at the end of the school year. Um, since then, um, I've been contacted by. Asking for a letter of support, um, so I set up a meeting with them, and um, a group of us will be meeting with them uh, tomorrow um, to talk about that. I, and I specifically did it for Friday because I wanted to share with you guys what this was, what this was all about. Um, you know, the whole charter school movement and what that is about, and I think even the superintendents association never come out against charter schools per se. Um, there are a lot of things that have happened with the whole charter school movement that have not been real good about the for-profit stuff. Um, I think the idea of charter schools not really being innovative and just doing the same things public schools do doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but in some ways there's, you know, I would question that I think PACE maybe does offer something that is a service in a lot of ways. I think they've had some problems so our dis my discussion, and, and Dr. Park will be there, Mr. Lefreeze, and um, uh, Dr. Lufflin, um, that some of those kids do have EC labels. Um, that obviously would be something that we would have to deal with. And we're talking about 100 children. Some may be graduating, I don't know. Uh, we'll find that out tomorrow. Um, but I'd like to be able to say to them that, you know, if we can figure out a way that we can work better so that we feel confident that the children who from our districts that are at that school number one are attending every day, which I think attendance has been a problem, um, and that we're comfortable with the curriculum and those kinds of things. Not that we are on the whole here, I mean, just have some involvement with that. It does provide another option, because we do know with the success we've had, um, especially in recent years with Phoenix, um, attendance is way up they've had, I think, since the program started. Um, some of the successes they're having there, it can be done. And there are kids who need a different kind of a program. And, you know, and, and you might think that we can do everything for everybody, but sometimes we need something different. But that's okay. Um, so maybe this is an opportunity um, to open up that dialogue with them. And I don't know if it would be a letter of support as much as um, allowing them letter that would state that we had a conversation and we're willing to work together, even to the extent of, you know, if you want to add our expertise, and we have a lot of expertise, we might be able to help them, or they might be able to help us, depending on what kind of staff they have. I just, I just don't see any collaboration at all right now, and I think what 
I hear people talk about charters when they were developed, it's supposed to bring new innovative, way, innovative ways to do things. Well, if, they're, if that's what they're doing, tell us about it. We should be learning from them what they're doing and there hasn't been any there. That's the whole purpose. So if we can rekindle that, I think it's a, it's a win uh, for us and if they don't get charter then side of that is we don't have to pay for the kids going there, but then we'll have to pay for the services that they may need when they come back. So I just want to get your feedback. Um, I'm going to have the meeting, and if you, you feel that my thinking is, is in the right direction or not. Okay. Um, I was planning to, to, to share this um, tonight um, if, if it didn't come up um, any other time, but as school board members and it's, it's public knowledge, um, the um, charters that the state, you know, school boards association, I mean, uh, this, the state board of education um, approves or denies or extends. So it was concerning that one of our charter schools uh, in the county um, um, got their charter revoked. Well, the recommendation is the state board has the final say in uh, January, the meeting in January. So this is the charter review committee that's recommended. Maybe I misunderstood it. I, I, I thought it, it read as if it was done. Yeah. I just didn't see an effective date. So that was one of the reasons right. why I began to ask questions. Mm -hmm. You know, when mm -hmm. is when it will be effective? Well, um, I, I guess that that opens the door a little bit. Um, did did they um, suggest that a letter of support would? would help them in their appeal? Yeah. Or do they, they have the rights to board, appeal the advisory I think decision? They, I think the state board, as a group, would have to vote to revoke the charter. So it's... The, char the charter advisory board makes a recommendation to the state board. The state so board has a... The advisory okay. board doesn't make okay. a decision. Okay. So if the does. state board says we will uphold this recommendation, is there an appeal process for a I charter school? I think there's an intermediate where they're going to be witness okay. to the so, And I, I mentioned that only because I don't understand what the what value would, would because there Because when they go, they for. want to go to the state board with something saying that. Okay, so representatives from the from each charter school will be there to hear the state. Okay, I get that. Um, so my other concern would be, um, and I, I appreciate you presenting their their current enrollment or, or an estimate of the number of students is. Um, if the decision, the recommendation is upheld, and depending on when it's effective, you know, that they close their doors. Um, it would be at the end of the school year. Okay. Oh, okay. So, okay. That was um, a big question. Semester, middle year, what? Right. So we'd have to plan. We would have time. So we're, we're looking at creating educational plans for a large number of students and meshing whatever their current schedule, whether it was block um, or year-long courses, into our current curriculum and um, it, it'll I'm sure I'm confident you all can do it but I it, I think that we need to prepare for that because right. exactly. um, they will come to us so so we'll know more very quickly the state board is supposed to be after the break go ahead Mia. so um, I think that's great that you're meeting with them and that I totally trust your um, you and the folks from our district are meeting with them, your judgment on 
once you've talked to them whether or not a collaboration is, is a feasible thing or you may determine no there's not enough to work with there and um, I, I trust your judgment on that as you go um, go forward because I think you'll have to make a, a conclusion about that right, before right. we meet again so from my perspective um, and they asked that and it was it's interesting they didn't send anything to the board after so no. Mm -hmm. no, no, no. They never call the shot. <laughs> 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 they know who has good judgment anyway. <laughs> I just, just want to um, compliment you on, on being, just having that thought line that we could collaborate with them and that they called called or reached out to you. This certainly wasn't what I, what I was thinking. You know, it just wasn't, it's, it's unusual. And, um, and uh, it just reflects that you're always putting the kids first. Well, um, Ruby Pittman, or because they were cited for financial problems. Right. Will Miss we'll Pittman get, be able to, or somebody from the department we'll be able to join, or Todd will be there? Yeah. Okay, because that, I, I mean, I know from prior years when that frequently they would submit a list but never provide proof that the kids right. in our district they never got paid for them. That's been the problem. And and yet their sixty-four percent graduation rate, I believe it is, is atrocious. I mean, it's atrocious, but they are. Um, these are kids who really need a different program and who need support, and, and I'm all for mm -hmm. seeing if we can, um, and, I, and we do know Phoenix. I would hesitate to put, these kids have already failed in our high schools. They have already chosen to go to another school. Not all have failed, but many of them have, and the board has prior history. Um, so anything that we can do to help kids graduate, let's do it. So, any other share? We just need to know in terms of resources how they can have. Right, we don't have extra resources, but we do have expertise. A meeting tomorrow, you know, is good. I also mm -hmm. want, I want to share. I also want to share with the public that um, we are very grateful and appreciate a $30,000 donation. Um, from the Carol Woods Resident Association. They, they do this each year. Um, they don't pay property taxes there, and they support many um, nonprofits, but they also give back, both with their time as volunteers, but financially a very significant contribution um, to the school district. We appreciate it very much. Anything else? Everybody have a Two nice holiday. holiday. Second? Yeah. All in favor say aye. Aye. opposed? Aye. adjourned. Everybody should have their board packets for policies. Okay. Oh, that was the wow. Oh, look at this. Yeah. 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 Yeah.